The sponsor for this episode is Whoop. If you haven't heard of Whoop, it is a fitness tracker that provides personalized daily insight into recovery, strain, and sleep. Uh, and this has provided some really cool, actionable data. I've been using it personally. There's a ton of PGA Tour players that are using it. You've probably seen Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, and others wearing it. Um, and here's uh, kind of what I take away the most is, is number one, sleep and recovery. So every morning, you can uh, look at your phone, go into the app, look at the data, and it'll tell you kind of how your recovery was. Are you ready to take on a lot of strain that day? Should you relax a little bit more and make take really better actions based on how your body is doing? And then strain, this will let you know of how hard is your body actually working. Is that workout that you're doing, is there enough strain? Is there not enough? And look at all those different things. Um, in the golf context, uh, just the other day, really interesting, I found that playing nine holes walking was the same amount of strain as playing 18 holes riding in a cart. There's so many good things from Whoop. You should check it out. We got 15% off your Whoop membership, code GSL, 15% off GSL. Head over to whoop.com and check that out. Definitely recommend picking one up. We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have... A really interesting episode. This is talking with someone who does a lot of research in the world of VR. And so kind of became aware of this after a podcast we did on QuietEye, probably about a month ago. They have actually done some research on QuietEye using VR equipment and then looking at VR as a way to practice. And so some really interesting things. I wanted to hear what was going on, hear what they were looking at, hear what they were finding, just to kind of keep us all up to date. There's some really interesting stuff. I think the quiet eye is the most interesting, kind of some of their findings around that. But yeah, it's something to keep our eyes on of what's going on in this field of VR and how it can impact us in, in golf and performance and in training. So something we will learn more about, I'm sure, over the next year and years to come. But let's dive in right now. Great episode. Let's get to it. I'm Dr. Dave Harris. I work at the University of Exeter in the UK. I'm a researcher in psychology. I'm interested in skill acquisition, how people respond to performance, and particularly the use of virtual reality as a way for kind of training skills, but also for understanding how people perform particular skills. I guess we've always been, all our research is kind of related to how do people learn skills? How do we speed up learning, which is some of the quiet eye stuff you mentioned. Yeah, and we started getting interested in how we can use virtual reality for train different skills and to be honest it's probably originated more in other like training for other areas so things like the nuclear industry and places like that where you often can't practice something physically virtuality is an awesome way of training something you couldn't otherwise train so what was the task or what were you trying to train or how did how do you guys go about the experiment so we um collaborating with some colleagues up at um, the University of Leeds. They've got a really cool kind of immersive tech group up there. And someone built a golf, like VR golf simulator. So pretty, like pretty simple, really. Just a little putting green. You get a real golf club. You attach like a tracking sensor to the head of the golf club. So 
you are physically swinging something so you get this the same feelings of you know swinging an actual golf club and then basically we we got a group of people to practice so like total novices came in and they practiced either on our like indoor putting green or they practiced using this vr golf putting and we're interested in whether both were effective for training if one was better than the other and i think our kind of our kind of slightly skeptical view was that you know virtually virtual golf is never going to be as good as the real thing right and i still like so ultimately believe that but the results we got were actually that for those novices people who were you know they might have played a little bit of i don't know pitch and putt would you call it i don't know if you call it the same um, yep. for those people it was equally good so we found that they both groups kind of improved to a similar level so yeah slight, that was kind of a slight surprise i guess but a cool cool result i think so you were surprised that vr did as well as normal training or normal practice yes i mean when you get down to it like if you want to get better at something you do that thing right and the thing with sport is you can usually go and do that thing so if you're using virtuality to train you know disposal of like nuclear reactive waste you can't physically go and do that but i can go and putt so you then sort of have to ask yourself the question why do i want to do it in virtual reality there's definitely like situations where it might be useful and we start to think about whether like you might use virtuality as like a warm-up so maybe i don't know you're in your hotel room before you get and play can you just pop on a vr headset practice a few putts and use that as an effective warm-up so were, were people, I guess, in the VR kind of practice mode, were they actually hitting a golf ball or no? It was just... They, they weren't. So I guess that's one of the particular things you'd say, well, you're not getting any of that haptic feedback of the club on the ball. There's another bit of work a student at Exeter did where they used the same like golf simulation, but one group, they like strategically placed a real golf ball in the same physical space where the virtual ball appear, appeared. So when you swing your club, you are getting that same impact and feeling the, the club hitting the ball. They actually found that was worse than no ball at all. So kind of the, uh, what we thought was going on is that actually the, if there's any like slight mismatch between where the virtual ball is and where the real ball is, that kind of slightly mismatched feedback was worse than no feedback at all, which is kind of cool. Yep. What about this idea? So you had novices doing this this test, is that right? So yes. very, very little experience. Any insight or any thoughts on you know more experienced players or players with some experience? Yeah, we did we did run another small study where we got some fairly good golfers came in and they used it kind of as a warm-up. So they did a bunch of real putts on an indoor green. They then practiced in the virtual golf simulation. And then we asked them to go back and put on the real green. And they were worse, much worse, on their first putt back on the real green. So doing the virtual putting was obviously sufficiently different from real putting that actually messed them, like temporarily messed them up when they came back to do the real thing. So we've kind of not looked at how VR training might be used more kind of long term for like higher level golfers but my kind of feeling is probably probably not that useful unless it's for kind of maybe very specific things but i'd say in general that's 
yeah, that could be tricky. Gotcha. Let's jump to some of the, the quiet eye stuff that, that you guys tested. I'm curious because that is obviously a very specific piece of, of the puzzle. So yeah, explain that a little bit. What were you looking to test and, and how did that study go? Yeah, so we, we feel like virtuality is a really cool way of studying things like quiet eye because you can just mess with stuff that you can't in the real world. So you can mess with the visual information that people are getting. You know, during a putt, you can, you know, change where the ball is, like mid-putt or anything like that. So what we did in a couple of studies was use some kind of visual cues for where their quiet eye needs to be. So quiet eye is defined by this fixation, like nice, long, stable fixation on the ball prior to the initiation of the putting movement. We were interested in making the fixation either longer or shorter by using like auditory tones to cue people when to like start and stop the fixation. We also got them to use fixations that were not on the ball. So we got them to either look at the ball, just above the ball, just behind the ball, or actually at the hole while they were putting, uh, which is like, that's quite an interesting one. I think the like Jordan Spieth debate around that. And we actually found very little effect of getting people to look either at the ball or close to the ball or whether it was slightly longer or slightly shorter. So this is like a little bit in conflict with some of the quiet eye literature. Sure. Finding that those kind of slight changes we made were, you know, didn't have a a massive effect on people's performance. Again, this was in novices. So you've got to, I guess, take it with a pinch of salt that it might be different for more experienced players. So yeah, that's quite interesting. We kind of felt like, that maybe indicated that while quiet eye is, is important for skills like golf putting, that it's almost like uh, if it's long enough and close enough, that might be good enough. So the actual, perhaps some of the really fine parameters about the fixation may be less important than actually the fact that you're focused, you're not distracted, and actually adopting like a quiet eye is a way to do those things it's a way of getting you to focus but actually the real specific parameters of where the fixation is maybe maybe are less important and i mean the interesting part about that is those feel so different to a golfer right if, if you try those different you know focus of attentions it's it's so so you know different as a feel it's interesting to hear that it wasn't maybe necessarily in the results. Do you have a, a follow-up test or any other kind of additional study you want to do around that? We did just run one where, where we, so they were putting in virtuality. They kind of set up for the putt like normal. They get like a really brief window to, you know, look where the hole is and just kind of get themselves ready. And then we kind of like occlude all their visual information. So it's a little bit like, imagine having like a, a white sphere wrapped around your head. Because we're interested in, do people continue to make that like quiet eye fixation when they can't see anything? And we found that they did. So people continue to make just as long a quiet eye fixation when there was like nothing to see, which is quite interesting. I might kind of suggest that it's maybe linked to some more I don't know, processes to do with you focusing and preparing for the shot rather than actually getting any like visual information. You know where the golf ball is roughly, right? You know where the hole is roughly. 
what you're doing with your eyes in those final moments before your putt is maybe not about getting more visual information. It's maybe about kind of preparing you mentally for that shot. Well, that's what we, you know, that's what we thought anyway. theory on, on quiet eye that I've heard is that the concept of quiet eye is more just to quiet the brain a little bit and maybe achieve some of that um, before it could be one of the main goals more than just quieting of the eyes kind of concept. Yeah, I think that definitely fits with the results we got. Yeah, it could be a more general effect. So do you, if you're talking to a golfer, would you recommend they try to train the concept or train something of the topic? I mean, is it a recommendation of you or are you just like, uh, here's the general concept. I don't think it's super important. I still would believe in the like quiet eye training findings. So it seems like a pretty robust effect that that, that quiet eye training does work. I think it maybe just doesn't work for the reasons we've always assumed it works. So like you say, it might be a more general kind of preparation of your mental state and quieting of the brain and the body. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I would still believe in that kind of finding in the literature, but it's, it's more the mechanism of why I think we're not quite sure on. One thing we're starting to look at is how we can introduce some new ways of training in VR. So instead of thinking, can VR just be a way to replace the physical training, to think, what can we do in VR that's new and different and will enhance training? So we have started to look at how you can introduce like eye movement training in virtual reality. So that links quite nicely to the, the quiet eye stuff you're talking about. So in VR, virtual reality, it's fairly straightforward to kind of overlay like a little a little gaze cursor or a little red dot to kind of cue your eye movements to a certain place and we're kind of looking at this not in sporting tasks yet but we think this might be a cool way of kind of yeah like augmenting training so it might be that you know swinging your club in vr is nah, not not the best but perhaps we can do other things like eye movement training you could have some kind of automated feedback that is telling you when I don't know, something different with your swing or there was something different with your timing of your setup or something like that. So yeah, we're definitely interested in kind of ways we can like improve training in that way. Yeah. Yeah. What are some other fields or other areas that you're using quiet eye training like that, whether it's in other sport or outside of sport? Yeah. So other kind of target and aiming sports that it's definitely applicable to like um, basketball shooting or archery or shooting a gun. But then also uh, military applications, it's quite applicable to like weapons handling and also some surgery work. So much as you would use a quiet eye looking at a golf ball prior to your golf swing, doing like quite dexterous surgical actions, the use of a appropriate like gaze strategy is also effective for, for training them. Um, it helps them to perform better under pressure it helps them to like learn their kind of surgical skills a little bit faster. So yeah, it's any, any kind of tasks where you're, you're aiming something. And the goal with that is always to just improve their kind of that duration of helping them start kind of a, a gaze and then end at a certain point. Is that always kind of the training or the goal with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you're trying to trying to grab a blood vessel with some, I don't know, for, forceps. That's probably not the right word. Um, <laughs> but it's the same principle, right? Like a nice steady gaze that's locking onto that target before you like initiate an action towards it is sort of a universal principle. And kind of what we're summarizing or guessing is people are jumping around and so is their mind. So they're not able to kind of perform when they want to perform at that task because the mind is kind of all over the place as the eyes are kind of demonstrating. Is that the, the thought? Yeah, definitely. Um, and people are actually like notoriously quite bad at, at it. They, you would say like, what were you looking at when you were, you know, doing your golf putt? Oh, I was looking at the ball. Well, actually, if we go back and we look at this video recording, you were kind of, but you were jumping around a little bit. And as you say, that might be reflective of the state you were in, which was not quite focused. And by training those things, there's kind of a, the relationship sort of goes both ways, right? You're, you're not focused and you're a bit anxious and stressed. And so your eye movement's a bit jumpy and a bit unfocused. But if we can get you to focus your eye movements, it sort of works back the other way and helps you settle mentally. We're kind of fairly early in our journey into this, I would say. It's only the last two or three years we've really got interested in it. I think as the, as the tech has got a little bit better and a little bit more affordable, it's suddenly become something that people can see being an actual practical like solution for stuff. But yeah, I'm excited about it. It's just choosing when and where to use it is, is the thing, I think. 